This is CliffCentral.com. Good morning. Welcome to it. Monday mornings here on CliffCentral.com. Thanks for joining. My name is Ben Karpinski and you're listening to The Bounce Show again. These weeks really do fly and the weekends are just making them even more enjoyable with so much action. Wow, it was uh, cricket again, hey? Cricket all happening this time of the year and the protests are looking good. That's five wins in a row against England. But without being too much of a dampener, you kind of trade them all in for the Test Series for victory, wouldn't you? Anyway, we'll get into the cricket in a bit. But to tell you is 22 days now until the World T20, well, the T20 World Cup, if you prefer it saying that way. 22 days until we're going to cover a hell of a lot of that. So it's going to be, I think the minnows will play like a preliminary round and then they play against the seeded teams after that. So 22 days till that starts. Even closer though, it's five days. That's Super Rugby. Super Rugby starts this weekend. And today I've got a really special guest that's going to be all about the rugby. Absolute rugby legend, a voice you just can't ever miss. So he'll be in a little bit later on. 44 days until the Masters. That's another thing to look out for. We're getting closer and closer to all the big milestones. We're at this really great point in that we've had like a nice intro to the sporting year and now it's just going to get bigger and bigger and better. 165 days to the Olympics. Now, if you're not into the Olympics, I'm sure you will be as it gets closer. But it'll be a very interesting Olympics because it'll be more like Survivor Rio, I think, at this rate. With the water being so terrible, the Zika virus on the spread, uh, the IAAF banning countries from even participating. Wow, we are on for some exciting, exciting times ahead. It really is, as I always say, it's a good time to be alive. And you're right here on The Bounce Show, where everything about sport shall become known to you. It's just the best place to check in on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining me. If you are listening live, be sure to chat to us. Uh, Duncan's in the booth. He'll take the calls. Uh, but if you want to chat on WeChat, simply send a message and it will come up on the screen and we can interact like that. Alternatively, get me on Twitter at follow the bounce sent through a tweet and uh we'll take it from there but first before we get into the headlines i've got to stop this and play you this thailand is the home of kickboxing and get a look at these silky skills here comes a left no right roundhouse red pants guy is having trouble seeing the referee yells at him what are you doing you're getting up you're staying down you're going home Red Pants is like, nah, I'm fucking good, let's fight. Oh, the ref takes a hit, doesn't even care. Blue Pants is getting a lot of punches in. Red Pants is doing the strategy where you take a lot of heat. Oh no, he can't see shit. After the 53rd blow, he's like, right, I know where you are. You're fucking in front of me. I'm coming for you now, dickhead. Fucking Sonic Boom, take that. And he does. He gets straight back up. Goes for a kick. Oh, daredevil-like senses from Red Pants. In comes another punch. The ref goes down again. I think all of them could be concussed, but don't quiet know it. Here comes a knockout, surely. Fuck! Someone get that ref out of there. Red Pants finally has his gloves up and also turns into fucking Neo from the Matrix. The ref has to stop supernatural shit happening. Look at that army general. These motherfuckers are crazy. Blue Pants is looking for a big finishing move. Nup. That's not the one. Seriously, this referee, he is drunk as fuck. He can't walk straight, but I love his passion, his enthusiasm, so I'd recommend him 10 out of 10. These boys are tired. Get out of my fucking ring! And here's a kick in your thick skull. Don't come back. But he does. The crowd is amazed that they are getting to witness two immortals fighting at their best. 
Whoa! That was a massive jump! Red Pants too nimble for him again though. It appears the fight is coming to an end now as everyone has simply had enough. The referee decides it's time to do some push-ups. The fighters promote peace and love. You really couldn't ask for a happier ending in Bangkok. Okay, well that's a fucking lie, but you know what I mean. I honestly don't know who has won. I think the referee has won. Everyone takes a bow, just claims it. Anyway, join us again on Kickboxers Who Give Zero Fucks. The letters from Aussie Man Reviews. This guy is just so funny. And he's, I don't know where he gets all these really great clips from. It's just so interesting that there is so much on the YouTube of fights that really are terrible and sloppy kickboxing. Go on to the balance.co.za right now and you'll see that video in its entirety. The visuals are really quite something. This is like a fat guy fighting a thin guy. And yeah, they both kind of knock the ref out. So let's get into the headlines. We've got Dan from Conquer Sport coming in a little bit later. As you know, today we're talking about subjectivity around sport and how um, fans are either they love or hate people. So let's look forward to it, along with our big rugby discussion, which will all both take place after the headlines. First thing to look into is the Proteas. Now, as I said in the top of the show, five wins in a row now against England. And uh, England, well, I think they just ran out of steam, really. You could see it in the ODIs. They were trying to win that thing 3-0. They ended up losing it 3-2 after winning the first two. And then it came to the T20 side, and, well... You gotta look at a team like England. They have been on the up and up in, in a limited overs kind of sense. So you would think they would have put in quite a good fight. Well, it wasn't to be. Uh, Cape Town, it was a very flattering result there for them in that they only lost by one wicket. They set a pretty feeble total after an absolutely blazing start between Roy and Hales. But then Imran Tahir came in. They had no answer for him. Tahir ran amok and he also ran around the field. And then the Proteus batsmen just didn't ever want to really kind of crush the chase they just kept dabbling here and there a couple of good shots from time to time like i know that newlands isn't exactly like the wanderers where you can just blaze and get you know hit through the line with gay abandoned but anyway it got down to the point where the protest needed 15 from six i mean it never should have got to that stage but who cares we've got chris morris how good is this guy becoming like everyone at this level of, of sport okay now if you're a pro and you're and you're making good money like these guys Everyone can hit a six. Anyone can do whatever you think. But it's what happens between the ears at the right moment. Chris Morris it just has the BMT. Like, we haven't seen this since, I think, Lance Klusner days. I know it's only been two matches, and I should probably calm down. I get very excited when these things finally happen for us. But to have 15 of six, it was just good hitting. And uh, poor Reese Topley, I think he's going into mild depression after how he dropped that game, really. The ball came in. He had to take off the bails. He dropped the ball. Two runs where it should have just been a single, and the Proctors won that. But yesterday, what a game that was. There was 26s and 25 fours, most of them coming from the bat of the Proteas. It was a really, really cool game, and as always, the Wanderers never disappoints. The Proteas winning that by nine wickets in the end. England had a bit of a shaky start. Well, they had a first ball reprieve. JP Dumley dropped a ball off Kakiso Rabada. But they still, they managed to get weather that sort of storm, had a great partnership between Morgan and Butler. But then they lost... Seven wickets for 14 runs. 171 they eventually got in 19.4 overs, so they were bowled out. And the Proteas, well, Umla and De Villiers, what a show that was. It really was. They were just swinging huge sixes, and they had 100 runs in no time whatsoever. 125 was their opening stand of just, just over 50 balls. Damage was done. The English had no hope of coming back into that one. And uh, 
wickets. They had five overs left, 32 balls remaining. Proctor's winning that by nine wickets. So what is next, you may ask? Well, we've got the Aussies coming here now, and what that means is I would say a slightly sterner test. Now, if you were to look at the Aussies T20-wise recently, they got thrashed by India at home. They do, of course, have that really strong T20 league, the Big Bash, uh, which is a nice thing to kind of draw talent from. But are they picking the right talent? Now, we spoke to Dennis from Australia recently. Dennis is our go-to man when it comes to Aussie sports. And he said that sometimes they just don't seem to look like they want to have the best team going there. And it's a fair point, too. A, a guy like Nathan Lyon should be in all formats. He's that good. Uh, you got to wonder if the... If the the Mitch Marsh brothers are, are in there. Should Kawaja play more? Is is Watson definitely the best player? Too many question marks. But they're going to come here. And, of course, they'll be decent in the conditions. So the first game we're going to look forward to there is Friday the 4th of March. That's SA versus Oz in Durban. I don't know why we ever play in Durban. We never, never win there, but anyway. Sunday the 6th of March, back at the Fortress of the Wanderers in Johannesburg. And then the final T20 there will be Wednesday, March the 9th in Cape Town probably be like a relatively low scoring match. So the Proteas have got the most perfect, perfect run into this T20 World Cup in that they've just had a really good run out against England. It showed they've got a really good team. And now they've got three matches against the Aussies and then two warm-up matches in India before they get going. And I think they've got Sri Lanka, West Indies. Uh, England will be their first match in the World Cup itself. And they play one of the qualifiers. And uh, yeah, it's four matches there. So we've got the easier group, I think. So the big question is, what is this What is this team, though? Well, last week on The Bounce, I wrote an article about what the best team could or could not be. And it just looks like an embarrassment of riches right now. We've got so many good batsmen that someone like Hashim Amla might actually miss out. Now, you wouldn't think that's possible, but look at all the guys that can that can bat in the in the top three positions. Quinton Lecoq was, well, he sat out slash was rested over the weekend. So we've got... We've got a batting lineup that is so good that Behar Din won't even get in on sympathy. It's not even going to happen. You've got a guy like Chris Morris who's going to finish first down the order if need be. David Visa, he can also bat bloody well. So it's kind of like what we're going to do with the bowlers. Well, it's going to be in India, so we're going to pick two spinners. That's pretty sure. I think Pankis will probably come through just because he's a left-arm spinner. Although I think uh, the Tahir Domini axis will be the sort of go-to spin options. Um, is Dale Stane going to be fit? Uh, yeah, look, we just got so many good options from a South African perspective right now. So very, very upbeat about that, which is nice. It's nice to be upbeat about the boys again. It's been a long, tough summer, but up and up. Sadly, the ladies, the Proteus women's side, they did not win their series against England. The spirited bunch of, um, the Palm girls, they won 2 1 there. And then in the other test, well, the other cricket news from the weekend, Brendan McCullum's final test is currently taking place. Doesn't look like New Zealand are going to win this one. I think they've got six wickets in hand, but they're already trailed by, I think, 14 runs in their second dig with the bat. But the test will be always remembered for the fact that Brendan McCullum got the fastest 100, 154 balls. He literally was just swinging and he was just connecting. Some would say it's like, you know, a broken clock right twice a day, but McCullum is a forceful player. And he's got a test 300 to his name. So you can say what, what you want about his swing and miss tactics. The guy, he really is. He's added so much. Played 101 test matches for New Zealand. And I think they were all consecutive. I could be, I could stand corrected. 101 tests. That is such a huge, huge service to his country. And he has done so much for New Zealand cricket. And as I was saying earlier this morning on the Gareth Cliff show, here's an example of how we actually need to embrace T20 because McCullum's career was, he was good, but he wasn't incredible. Suddenly the IPL came along and he really came into his own in his 30s and his style of play has just transcended all formats. 
And you will see guys going at a whole lot more because of guys like him and the things that he has done. So it's always really, really encouraging to see players pushing the boundaries. And McCullum was one of them. So he'll now, no doubt, go into the lucrative world of T20 uh, mercenary work. And uh, away he goes in that. Just on the messages, Black Box, I do enjoy your input. Uh, we'll get to messages a little bit later in the show. But he's going to quickly mention his team, the best team that SA can have in the T20 World Cup. And he believes it should be Dukok and AV up front. So no space for Amla. Then Faf, Riley Rousseau, JP Dumini, Miller, Visa, Morris, Rabada, Abbott, and Tahir. He then goes on to say that Dale Stain can get fucked. Uh, we've been winning without him. Okay, well, strong views, Black Box, but good views, not all the same. Yeah, it's interesting to think that I'm just going to step up. But, you know, yes, there's only a second 50, as Black Box pointed out earlier. It's just something about that dude. He's, he's a rock in this team. He really is. And people, I think, feel quite good around him. And if he's going to score a 50 at, say, a strike rate of 120 at the top, everyone can else just act, just rotate on a big swing. Oh, this precious team. I'm getting really, really excited about it. Really cool. Let me change the topic before I get too gushy. Anyway, in football, there was the FA Cup action from the weekend, which was really cool. Uh, amazing if you're a Chelsea fan. So, so if you're an Arsenal fan, Arsenal just couldn't get the, to the back of the net, to the back of the hull net. Zero, zero, which means they now need to play a replay at hull. It's always a sticky situation for these big Premier League teams. You want to get it done at home because then you've got to go play. If you don't, you've got to go play a midweek game somewhere horrible where people with mostly working class jobs just shout profanities at you. It can't be easy. Watford, they beat Leeds 1-0. Reading, they beat West Brom 3-1. Everton beats Bournemouth away 2-0. Blackburn, they took a hammering to the Hammers. West Ham 5-1. Spurs lost out to Crystal Palace 1-0. And then Chelsea just absolutely blew away a young Man City team 5-1. Tonight, Shrewsbury will take on the Man United at quarter to 10. And what that all means is, well, the draw is as such. Uh... Reading will take on Crystal Palace in the next round. Everton will take on Chelsea in the next one. Arsenal or Hull will take on Watford. And then Shrewsbury slash Man United, well, they'll play against West Ham. In the local Premier League, Sundowns, well, are they going to be, are they going to become suddenly quite brittle going into the, the season? It's kind of almost like a victory lap for them when you think they've got a seven point gap. They've looked so good. They've scored more goals than anyone by a long shot. But now all of a sudden, well, they drop points against Arrows at home, whereas Vitz keep on winning. So they beat Tux 2-1 in an inter-varsity challenge, I suppose you could say. So that means now seven-point gap. Now, I know it's still, that's huge breathing room, but if Sundowns drop points again and suddenly Vitz win again, let's just say that gap goes to five. Five quickly becomes two, and two, well, anyone's game. Exciting way to end the season. And I think, you know, last year, Chiefs were also so, um, were so far ahead. And they also started, but they did hang on in the end. It'll be interesting to see if it's going to same same fate now for Sundowns. You know, the sporting news, it was a big golfing weekend, but, uh well, Bubba Watson won, so it's never a popular win, that incredibly talented guy, but he's a bit of a doer. But he had a, held off a very star-studded field. Uh, Dustin Johnson got into contention again before doing his famous disappearing act. Adam Scott, he looked really, really good. He was, I think, four under through the first five holes yesterday, or five five through six. He chipped in on the end for eight for a birdie on 18, but just not enough. Bubba Watson, he was two behind at one stage. Jason Cockrack got ahead, but then he sort of just went all limp in the last few holes. So Bubba Watson, that is, I think, his 10th US PGA Tour title. Here's a guy that loves playing with Augusta, and we said at the top of the show, just 44 days now until the Masters. You can't discredit Bubba for that, that major 
ever because he likes to hit a cut. So he just stands there with that, that pink driver of his and just opens up his stance and hit a cut all day. A lot of the holes dog leg from right to left. So skips Bubba down to the ground. All he has to do is just nail a few putts and it could be a third green jacket. That'll be really disappointing, but still. What an exciting year ahead for golf when you think you've got Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler. Oh, there's just so many good players and those masters. That's, that's going to be, wow. We'll get into that close to the time. We've got a really great golf expert to draw upon for that. So all in due course. George Kutsia won in the Sunshine Tour, the local event. And, uh, that was your golfing action for the week. That just had passed. Now a couple of the stories I want to get to. That's pretty much the stuff you know, need to know has happened on the field. But off the field, Richie McCaw is talking about the fact that New Zealand need to change their flag. Now, if you do know geography or anything like that, you'll find out that Australia and New Zealand are very similar in many ways. Flag-wise, it's almost identical. The stars on, well, the Aussie flag's got the Union Jack top left, and then they've got basically a sea of blue and then some stars. Now, the New Zealand flag is exactly the same, only there's red on the stars. So I think Richie, after running out and winning all those matches for the All Blacks, he just got so tired of playing against Australia and seeing these flags looking identical. So he says that the flag must change. Um, Dan Carter says the same. Even their prime minister is saying that the flag needs to change. So I think when you got the sort of trifecta of those three. The weird thing is, though, New Zealanders... They've had a poll about this for a few years now. They've been going on and on about, you know, should it, should it be changed? Is it too colonial? Should we go into a bold new era? Majority of people have said, let's keep the flag. They don't mind. I think New Zealand don't actually mind so much being in the shadows because then people underestimate them in sport, which, well, we see the downfall of that. But what would the New Zealand flag be? That's the thing. People are talking about a silver fern. It should be black. It should maybe still have the Union Jack on it. But if it's a New Zealand flag, it's got to have something with the All Blacks on. I mean, people wouldn't know about New Zealand if it wasn't for Richie McCaw and this rugby team. So I think William Webber's trophy, um, there should be sort of like a black jersey, something along the lines of that. Flags should be a lot more sort of up to date, I think. You know, we've got, we've got a quite a progressive country, of course. In 94, we got a great new flag and it's kind of cool. But like anthems become stale, flags become stale too. Jazz them up a little bit. Go ahead, New Zealand. Make the right call. Uh, another rugby news off the field, Andre Pollard. Now, you know, he went to Japan, got a shoulder injury, and then he came back to, about to play for the Bulls again, and suddenly season-ending knee injury. So what happens in a case like this? Well, you're contracted, so you basically still get paid, and you go through rehab. Well, yes and no. The funny thing is, now, because Pollard already had an injury where his insurance and that kind of stuff covered it, he was covered and everything was fine. But apparently because he then got another injury on top of that, his cover for his previous injury has now lapsed. And now he's got this new injury, which he's kind of liable for. So it looks like it's going to be six months until Pollard potentially earns money again. Now, you just never think this is going to happen with sports stars. that They could ever go through a stage where they don't make money. But that is the word in the street right now is that Pollard is not going to make money now because he's got this huge injury. If he goes any longer, then some other policies kick in, and then he's got another 18 months, I think, uh, with the My Players Fund, if I stand corrected. So, oh, it's uncertain times. Look, the guy is out for so long, so it's not like he can make a miraculous recovery and make some money. So, geez, this is where rugby players and other people need to have some MC skills, I guess, or have something, or just amazing abs like PSB did and do insurance ads. Because if you're sitting on your ass and not making any money, well, it's quite tricksy, isn't it? 
But just speaking of that injury, now the reason that these players are getting more injured is because the seasons are never ending. We all know that it's absolutely horseshit how these guys play themselves into the ground. It's very much, um, you know, killing the golden, the golden goose who lays the eggs really. So it looks like Sari is going to almost prov- like prohibit them from uh, playing in, in Japan from here on in. If you're a current Springbok, right, how your season works is that you play rugby championship. You have a bit of a break in October. So there's no Curry Cup player, whatever, whatsoever for these guys. You then got to go into uh, training for the overseas European tour. And then that kind of stops at around December. And then you kind of come home. So what the Japanese clubs have been saying is that you either play for us for a season or you don't really play for us at all. We can't have you just rock, rocking up in December. So what would have happened is the guys would have played overseas tours and then just gone to uh, Japan for that sort of end of year top up on the cash. But Japan don't want that. They want a bigger commitment. And now Saru is saying, well, you can't do that. You've got to have these mandatory breaks. And this is one of them. And something has to be done. Sure, the guys are allowed to make money, do whatever they want. But if you contract it to Saru, and if you are going to be in the Springbok setup, there has to be some hard and fast rules. It's not rocket science, really. These guys can't keep going like this. These injuries, I mean, Pollard's what, 21, 22? You're getting injuries like this. Imagine what's happening to guys later on in their career who are already on the back of about three or four season-ending injuries. It really is a bit dodgy. But common sense should prevail. I really hope it does. Uh, if it doesn't, well, yeah, it's money talks eventually. That's kind of wrapping up all your headlines. We've got a lot to get through today. Um, look, if you have missed anything, if you go into the bounce of the today right now, you'll see a whole bunch of other news you can catch up on. There is Champions League action tomorrow. Juventus play Bayern Munich. Call uh, it 10 SA time. And then Arsenal versus Barcelona at home. Well, if Arsenal couldn't get a goal versus Hull, they're going to have a bit of a tough job against Barcelona. And then Wednesday, Dynamo Kiev. Dynamo Kiev, sorry, will play Man City at quarter to 10, and PSV will host Atletico Madrid, also quarter to 10. That's your Champions League action for the week. Get a bit dry mouthed here. Wow. Actually, Rocket just threw this way too fast. I've got Dan in the studio. He's joined us from Conquer Sports. It's a weekly feature which is growing huge momentum, I believe, and uh, conversation points just don't get any weaker. So a quick look at the messages. Uh, Colin says that also the New Zealand flag should be the Eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. That's actually genius because you'd have that ring in the middle. You'd have the Will and Webellus trophy on the right and either Kiwi or Sheep on the left with like an imprint of an orc. Yeah, I've got lots of suggestions for that. But Dan, we're going to get straight into you because we need to give you lots of time because this week's topic is fascinating. It is the subject nature of sport. Oh, just before I get your, hang on a second, that one. Yes. Hello. Yes, got it. How's it going? How's that for blind luck? I just pressed a button. Nice. Cool, Dad. What made you What made you talk about this this week? Well, um, it was all about last week. So Barcelona demolished another team, um, Celta Vigo, six one. Yeah. And that wasn't too newsworthy. I mean, they do that. They do that every week, don't they? But what was interesting was their fourth goal, which was um, quite a quite a cheeky penalty. I don't know if you saw that. Did you, did you see that? Uh, well, it was Messi about to get his 300th uh, goal in, in the Liga, right? Right. And then he ran to it, and he just gave a little side pass, and there was Suarez. Exactly, which I, didn't even, which I didn't even know was legal, but it turns out it is. And Well, you know you know, you know, it's legal. Watch Arsenal try to do that about five yes, years ago. Yes, exactly, exactly. Perez and, who was it, Burkham? Yeah. No, no, Henri. Henri. Perez and Henri, yeah. exactly, right. So, that's fine, but the what, what struck me as, as interesting was that... 
most of the comments on on social media and and in the press was overwhelmingly positive and it just seemed like people were jumping on the on the positive bandwagon that is Barcelona and someone made an interesting point and though he works in 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 Madrid for a radio station a journalist kind of asked the question what happened what would ha- what would the reaction have been if it was Ronaldo and Benzema and to be honest my reaction would have been negative because my association and 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 identity around Real Madrid and around those players is largely negative. Whereas with Barcelona, it's, you know, Barcelona more than just a club and they play beautiful football and it's messy and it's youth system and it's. And everyone kind of hates Ronaldo secretly deep down because he's both talented and good looking. And made a terrible self-indulgent documentary about himself, which I don't know if you've seen. But anyway, so the point. I, so, I have, yeah. so the point is, is that, um, why do we, we hold, st- certain teams and athletes to one standard and certain teams and athletes to another standard. And uh, it just struck me as, as quite interesting and kind of made me think of a very obvious point is that sports fans are a very fickle, subjective bunch and we are very, very biased. Well, I've got to ask you, it's, like, it's a great point, as your points generally are, Dan. I mean, I'm sure you get this a lot. You make good points. But would you call yourself a sports fan or a sports supporter? Um, I, I get this question quite a lot. So people, yeah. people often say to me on Twitter, "Oh, why are you being so mean about that guy?" Like, I'm not a cheerleader. I actually, I've become a supporter of sport, right? Because I've obviously been too heartbroken. I mean, I support the Proteas, the Springboks, Arsenal, sure. and the Stormers. I mean, I just couldn't keep up anymore. Well, as a as a as a Man United fan this season, I find myself being more <laughs> of a fan of football than a, than an actual team. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I guess I, I'm I'm guilty of I'm guilty of biases. I I'm. Uh, I'm a fan, but it's uh, it's almost impossible not to be, is it? I mean, sport, sports is an emotional thing. It's it it conveys so many human human emotions, and all of which are abstract. So, the identity that we that we associate with a team is always going to be different to what another person identifies with the team. It's just interesting because I've got this friend who, on the outset, would come across as cynical, uh, dry, perhaps mean. But he says to me, "I don't support any teams." So right. it means very little to me who wins and loses. Well, what a pleasure that would be. And, to I, be and I thought, hang on a second, that's not that's not the rule, right? Yeah. You can't do that. How can you do that? And then I thought of it through his lines. Like he gets to look at sport objectively. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's actually kind of cool because everything that happens is, is actually interesting and good. When you're subjective, like you're saying now, yeah. well, we'll get into the, the stigmas around certain players in a bit, but it's actually such an emotional roller coaster, the subjectivity, because it becomes all-consuming. Right, but isn't that part of it? Isn't, isn't that isn't that one of the reasons why we watch sports? But is it the only way, though? This is the point I'm getting. Well, I, I guess not. I guess I mean your your cynical friend might might be able to watch the game and and just superficially in, in, enjoy the the game and and the plays and and marvel at it, the athletic ability. But it would be like I, I guess for me personally, it'd be like listening to a, a piece of music and just understanding the notes that were played and. And appreciating how difficult it was to play that instrument, but if it didn't convey any emotion, you wouldn't be able to connect with that music in in an intimate way. And I think it's the same for the sports fan. The reason why sport is such a popular entity is because it's 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 more than just football is more than just passing a ball into a net. It's it's the players that that do it, and it's and it's the club and it's the city that they're representing, and it's the biases and it's the struggle that when your team is rubbish and the elation when they're great. So. Mm. I think if you if you take that out, yeah, your your friend might be might be able to watch it without, you know, hating hating his his Sunday. But where's the fun in that? Exactly, it's almost a little bit too sterile. Exactly, exactly. So just getting back to the subjective points. Now I know that 
in South African sports, there's people who can do no right. Now, this comes from, I mentioned a couple of players, okay? So, right now, Fohan Behardin. Right. So, here's a guy who I believe is very much like Zane Kirshen on a cricket field. <laughs> so, a lot of subject, subjectivity comes in here where no matter what this guy does, everyone's going to hate him. Like, yesterday, he was uh, 12th man, okay? He mm. took an amazing catch in the boundary. Like, but, like no, it, it already gone for six, okay? The comments people sitting around were so funny. Mean, but so funny. It's like, right. yeah, he catches it when he's not playing and this, this, and that. Sure. No matter what the guy does, he's screwed. Like, is do you think that's a healthy thing for us friends to have, or again, is it just natural? Well, it's definitely not. It, it's it's not always healthy in in that sense, and and it, it can place an immense amount of pressure on an athlete because if he knows that people are, are going to be against him, even when he's doing well, I mean, if you look at Beldin's average in T20s, it's actually not that bad. I think I think it's almost comparable to. To ABs, I'm not, well, I'm not. I'm not too sure. AB is, I think, ranked 35th in the world when it comes to T20 cricket. But after facing 20 balls yesterday, I'd love to s- s- show me a better, better cricket. Exactly. No, no, no doubt. <laughs> but, but the point is that is that because of the the association that we have with a particular player, when he's going through that bad time, it, it it's compounded. And if he's going through a good time, he still doesn't get the support. So it's not healthy, but it's completely natural. It's it would be, I think, literally impossible for. Any any true sports fan to to remain completely neutral, even even your cynical friend. Yeah. Uh, another conversation I had yesterday. Temba Bavuma. Here's a guy who averages, I think, just under forty in Test cricket. One century, two hundreds. Uh, the guy chatted to still under the impression that he doesn't deserve to be in the team. Now this is when subjectivity gets a little bit dark for my for my um, my right. liking. Right. Because what else does a guy do? Like if if you're if your stigma towards someone is such that you, no matter what they do, it, like, then I think sports fans need to take a step back and go, actually, I need some sort of objectivity here, some sort of middle ground. Mm. Do you think that, like, presenters and sports, the media itself, do enough to kind of have that middle ground people can look at? Or do they actually play into the subjectivity? Of course they play into the subjectivity. They, they themselves are sports fans first and foremost. I mean, you wouldn't have become... A, a sports guy if if you weren't a sports fan first and foremost so i think it's impo- it's impossible for for anyone who's writing or giving an opinion to remain neutral i mean i had, I had a housemate who right up until the day he retired thought jock Cullis was the most overrated player in cricket so i mean once once again it's 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 it is literally impossible for anyone to remain neutral i think and that leads to so, to so many opinions and biases and and What's what's the right word? We 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 let certain athletes off whenever they do transgress. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's another one of subjectivity for you. Sure. Stormers, Western Province, over the years playing attractive running rugby. Right. How, okay, this stuck somewhere along the lines back when the Duplessis brothers were having great interchanges and switches and stuff. But I believe that in, in latter years they were the most boring team. Again, it's the subject that subjective nature is just coming and giving the wrong impression because th- because that identity that we've created around them or we the south african sports public has created around the team is that oh storm is attractive rugby so we, we just kind of take that for granted and and and, and that comes into, into into our biases we have this bias that they do play attractive rugby without actually looking at the at at the at the type of rugby that they're playing so whenever they whenever they do do something Whenever they pull off an amazing try, that can be overhyped. If if uh, yeah. if the Bulls score a one to try, we might be like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's just a part Cut of their defense. Exactly, yeah. exactly. 
Okay, here's another one for you. The French are they unpredictable or are they just a really poor side? I think they just I think they just have been a a pretty average side for a while. I totally agree with you. Yeah, Again, I, it's like this romance of French running rugby and champagne rugby. No, they just crap. They're just not very good. Yeah, exactly. and the thing is, because they're so crap, the team defensively then starts kind of giving them more space because they're not attacking enough. And every now and again, you might get one good break, but there's nothing really good about the French. Again, it's this right. So we so we we, we and we form these <clears throat> we form these opinions about teams and we and we hold certain teams to st- to certain standards. But if you if you really explore what it is and what what makes us have these opinions about teams you might actually realize that it's it's uh not really based on anything current yep andy murray is another guy that kind of battles with that well yeah once again you know is 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 he is he is he a great player is he is he a player that just is playing against great players is he just a plucky scott who kind of happens to find his way into a semi-final every now and then um, if you if you're if you're a Murray fan, your 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 opinion on the guy because you are biased and because you have emotional ties to the UK or whatever the case may be, you will say that he is a great player. And he's just been unlucky. I have no association with any with with anything to do with the UK or or their sports teams. So I think he's quite an overrated player, but that, yeah. that, that's my bias. I mean, Sean Connery likes him because he's Scottish. Right. The rest of the world just thinks he's a moany ginger. Who, Connery or... Well, yeah. uh, Murray. Yeah. Now, another one, just on this point that interests me is uh, Serena Williams. I think she cops a lot of flack. Now, again, I, whether it's a racial undertone, whether mm. the fact that she is just so much bigger and stronger than the other girls, or it's just the fact that she's so dominant. Because the moment there is an on-court altercation or something, and whether she's right or wrong, mm. and I would say generally she's she's got a decent temperament. She gets like really hot under the collar because she wants to win. I mean, she's ruthless. That's sure. why she's won so much. Right. But then the moment it happens, everyone goes, oh, she's arrogant. She's such a bitch. I think she owns the place. Again, I... To this point, I think it's so unfair on some of these players. It's interesting that 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 she still has any sort of negativity around her, and, and as you say, maybe it is maybe it is uh, slightly race, racial undertones. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's because of of the manner in which she's won. Maybe because it's, she's American, and that bravado and that and that brashness that that she kind of embodies can be perceived in a negative way. But if if it, once again, if it were another athlete, would we be saying the same negative things about them? Maybe not. It's yeah. it's a uh, it's all these little biases that kind of form our opinions around the sports that we love. Okay, I had another one here, which was um, maybe not so kind of re- relevant now, but Pierce Spies. Yeah. So there was, now this touches on to um, religion in sport as well, how people obviously get behind these guys and the Bulls, the whole brotherhood, it's all about praying to Jesus and that kind of stuff. They thank him after the match. Right. Here was a guy that when... You actually looked into it. Superb athlete. Mm. And he really was a colossus in the age group games. When he came into the scene for the Springboks, he was hard running and he really made things happen. When they played in the high fold, the guy was incredible. I yeah. mean, he had one of the fastest guys in the field. He was also one of the biggest. Right against England where I think he scored two, three tries. He was unstoppable. So there we had this thing like this guy's an absolute beast. He's a physical specimen. He's the best eighth man going. He was man of the match, uh, I think, when we beat the All Blacks in Rustenburg. He played 50 tests for the Springboks. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But break it down, Dwayne Vermeulen then came on the scene. Everyone was like, ah, so that's an eighth man. Right. But all the coaches, everyone bought into the fact that PSB is this package. But again, that's more marketing, which ties back to your original discussion point about brand equity mm. and how important it is. So all these people that I've mentioned here, 
sorry, I don't know if this is a question that I'm just going. <laughs> no, no, keep going. So all these people that I've mentioned here we're discussing, is it not also a job of brain equity to kind of use the subjectivity on their own benefit? Well, exactly. So, so that, that brand equity can work for, for on-field performance, but it also works for, for off-field opinions because as you say, we, we had, we had Pierce Spiss and everyone was, it was unanimous. He is the best eighth man in, on the planet and he's going to become. You know, clone him, yeah. Exactly. But then all of a sudden, I don't know, he, after, after the, the, the World Cup where, where he had, um, you know, that injury crisis and there was a bit of a controversy around, was he really injured? Was he just taking steroids? And then we had a guy like Dwayne Vermeulen. So Pierce Spitz kind of went from a guy who was the, the, a potential, you know, golden boy of SA rugby to being damned and ostracized and no one wanted him, which is, which is which is quite a fall, you know. You you would you would think that'd be maybe a gradual slide into into mediocrity, but for Pierce Spitz it was a it was a, a massive fall. And once again, it's beha- perhaps because we had so much emotion surrounding this particular player that when he didn't do well, we uh, we, uh, we 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 kind of lost interest in a in a land like a landslide kind of. Yeah, and uh, now what? I mean, where is he even playing? Do you know? Because I think he he wanted to go play in Japan. He had some intentions of being in Europe, and then, well, that was kind of it. Well, Dan, um, there was another name. Should I forgotten now? Uh, but it's a very interesting thing. But like, what I want to leave people with today is that when you watch sport, there's obviously some very subjective things that come into it that are almost clouding your idea. Mm. And uh, look, you're entitled to call the the Proteas chokers or call Berdin a waste of time, whatever, whatever. Right. But I still believe that just whenever I pick it up when I go to live matches. It's a bit embarrassing to think that, you know, you're missing out on so much. You could know a bit more by being a little bit less subjective, but more objective to what's going on here because you could be missing a good game. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I guess if you take, if you take away, if you take away that emotion and that bias and that, and that subjectivity, you, as you say, you can kind of focus on, on the skills and, and, and kind of ask the question, well, is Behardin not good enough? Is, is, does Amna deserve his place in the T20 team? You know, should Dale Stanley picked? Why isn't Morkel picked? And you can kind of look at it from purely sporting reasons. But as I, as I, as I kind of say in the article, where would the fun be in that? I mean, sports, at the end of the day, is a game. It's entertainment. And yeah, we want our teams to win, but we want to invest ourselves emotionally in this and get tied up in the stories and the narrative yeah. around the sports. Yeah. Okay, Dan, well, uh, conquersport.com. Uh, all of Dan's writing can be found there. And you can follow Dan on Twitter. It's Daniel. And then his last name, Gallen. So it's D-A-N-I-E-L-G-A-L-L. Sorry, double L-A-N. So tongue-tied. So there's always this last 20 minutes. You got it. My mouth has like an expiry date. Uh, or you're just at Conquer Sport uh, on Twitter as well. Dan, we're going to have a huge push towards T20 World Cup as of next month. So mm. we might have to put the, the feature on, on hold for a second. Although there could be elements within that we can chat about. So For sure. Again, well, I think we should have brainstormed, but your feature's been amazing. Thank Next you. up, we've got our doubts, um, our biggest profile guest so far. I mean, is a voice that, well, so, you know, when you grow up with something, it becomes almost lodged in your DNA. And, uh, well, I don't think I really need to intro the man, but you know, it's an interactive show. I try to get the most out of the show. So I'm going to play you just a little hint of who we got coming up next. Down that far side, Palu is up there. And it's Junior Palaluyalukaganga who gets in for the try. Yes, that's it. The voice of rugby himself. Wow, wow. Super Rugby starts this weekend, so to get you in the mood for this new, bigger, and supposedly better tournament, 
I don't think it is, but hey, you know, some people might think so. I don't believe it. Too bloated, in my opinion. But who better to chat about this than none other than the voice of rugby? It's Blades. Hello? How are you, Garth? <laughs> you fine? Uh, it's great. It's absolutely brilliant to finally be here at Clive Central. Heard a lot about the place, especially with you in the news and all. You've been a bit of a naughty boy lately. I'm, uh, Blades, I'm, I'm Ben. I'm Ben Karpinski. I, I host the show here. This Never is, heard of you. This is the, the, the Bounce Show. I got you on to be part of my, The Bounce. Of my... That's what I did out of a hotel in Durban. I <laughs> bounced right off the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yeah, look, it's great to have you. I'm sorry, this isn't, Gareth does the morning show here. So, uh, so I, I do the sports. Shit, and, well, that's a bit of an anticlimax. I had a bloody song prepared and everything. <laughs> well, perhaps you could still sing it if you really want. No, 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 if you aren't Gareth, then it's just a bloody waste of time. So what do you want then? Um, well, Blades, I just don't talk super rugby. We've, every week on the show, I bring something up about what's coming up. And, uh, well, super rugby this weekend. So hey, I just want to get your thoughts. Ginger, get me a drink. <laughs> this is way too serious. Yes, carry on. I, I just want to get your thoughts on the, the bloated expanded format, how you feel that the SA teams are going to do going into this. Well, fuck it, Junior. That's a pretty broad question right off the bat. How the hell am I supposed to know how the teams are going to do? Do you see tea leaves in front of me here? I don't even see a whiskey in front of me. Terrible hospitality. I can't even say it. Uh, sorry. I mean, look, I'm not bloody Dick Mallet. <laughs> okay, look, Blades. Okay, let me just let me just refine it a bit. Then, eighteen teams in the tournament now. This whole new conference, what do you feel about that? 18? Jesus, that's a lot of teams. I remember when it was the Super 10 back in the day when Transvaal was so strong. That was enough for me. But then it became a money game. And those dreadful bastard Australians started having a say in things. (laughs) How did they get so many teams? Well, first of all, the Kings are back. Oh, Jesus. Those guys don't know their arse from their elbows and that cheeky Watson guy can't even pay the poor sods. Might as well work in radio. <laughs> well, then, um, yeah, the Kings are back and then Japan's also playing in this one. Japan and Argentina, the Shaguars, apparently they're there as well. How do the Argy-Bargies get in? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, didn't realize that fistfights and boisterous song was something this tournament needed. <laughs> I I totally agree, Blades. I'm totally. I'm I'm so happy you're so animated about this because I've been calling it bullshit from the start. Uh, Japan, are you pulling my bloody leg? Nine Super Rugby. That's absolute bullshit. Next, you're going to tell me Richard Fleck is coach of the Stormers and that the Lions look like South Africa's best chance of winning the thing. Well, yes, and actually, yes. Fleck is the is the new coach of the oh, Stormers. Geez. Eddie Jones was the there African for a week. Gray. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Eddie Jones, he left, and then, um, yeah, the Lions definitely much, the, the, they're almost settled team. <laughs> You're a funny guy, Bed Karponsky, but who the hell are you? But it's seriously, run along now and tell Garth to come in here. I want to chat to him about the good old fashioned way of broadcasting, not this social media rubbish. <laughs> Uh, Simon Hill, the one of the most talented men in, in SA sports. He has been the voice of Blades for so long. Uh, if you haven't ever met Simon, Simon Dan. Hello, Dan. How's it going? 
Pluck a pollen. Yeah, good to meet you. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to call you. I'm ginger as well. So I can see, I can see I'm, that. I'm sorry. No, no worries. It was now, necessary for entertainment. Fair enough. Now, Simon, uh, you have been doing impersonations of Blades for how long now? Oh, God, Ben, too long. I feel like I am Hugh Bladen. Are you not a, one of his love children? Let's be honest. Well, someone once told me that I look like Hugh Bladen, and, um, which is an insult more than a compliment. <laughs> so I, I guess, yeah, you start to live your character. It's unfortunate. And and he's totally okay with you pulling the piss? No, he wasn't initially. Um but you know he was he was kinda of getting phased out by Supersport and getting replaced by a man whose name we shall not mention. And I I don't know, I think Who fellow Melvitz. <laughs> Derek, he's a good friend of yours, Ben. Uh and I think what impersonating someone they say is the most sincerest form of flattery and I think it kinda of kept him and made him relevant again. Well, totally. I think it was a cult status that came around Blades because when he was commentating, I mean, he was like... It was a drinking status that came around <laughs> Blades as well. I mean, his his commentary was kind of like Austin Powers fashion. It was a bit over the top and it was a bit antiquated, but it kind of worked and you just couldn't help but be a part of it. But let's be honest. I mean, Blades, Hugh Bladen, we grew up watching rugby to that guy. He's the voice of our childhood. Exactly. They said the same about Bob Hewitt, <laughs> which resulted in quite a few nightmares. <laughs> But Blades, we grew up watching rugby, and rugby and Hugh Bladen go hand in hand. Yeah, they really do, very much like Brandy and Coke. Now, is this something that you just kind of picked up one day, or did you, do you practice it? Like oh, I did initially. Um, but, you know, when you, you do it often enough, it becomes second nature. But initially, to get a voice, yeah, you've got to practice it, and you've got to annoy everyone around you yeah. practicing it. And initially getting drunk obviously helped the process, because oh, you just, can get, you, your inner Blades came out oh, a lot more. slid right into it. I just want to play you a clip here. Simon, uh, Simon's been doing this for quite a long time. He teamed up with Darren Scott on Jackaranda days back in the day. That's where your, that's where your talents first really came to like the platform of mainstream listening. <laughs> and then through Balls Radio, and now you guys are a mix on your... Hot 91.9, Ben. Hot nine- <laughs> Get it right. Come on. <laughs> okay, so we'll play a little <laughs> clip here. Uh, now, Simon doesn't just do the voice of Blades. He does a few other voices as well. Uh, Preparations for Super Rugby continues as the Bulls travel to London to play Saris and referees around the world rejoice as Byron Buerta decides to call time on his career. I'm Hugh Bladen. Next to me is Nas Buerta. Hello, Nas. Oh, hi there, Bladesy. Uh, very sad to hear about Bucky's retiring. Uh, I compared it to Argentina winning a rugby uh, championship game. You know it's going to happen one day, but uh, when it does, you never quite uh, prepared for it. That's it. A grateful nation. Thank you, Buckies. Thank you for the headbutts and uh, relentless racking of arrogant, overrated Australians for the shoulder charges and post-match interviews in a language experts have now determined is English. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the support you gave Victor, not only at line-out time, but emotionally as well. Especially when the others teased him about uh, the size of his legs, which are uh, horrifically thin. Ah, Buckies, thank you for the consistency. Not many people can say they've had the same hairstyle for over a decade. Except Quibbers Visa. Don't forget Rian Kravachen. That shit hasn't moved in 30 years. But most of all, Buckies... Thank you for your wars, man. During my time on this earth, I have seen a lot of wars. But I have never seen wars like your wars, buggies. So thick and generous. Very much like Percy Montgomery. When I put your wars in my mouth, buggies, so many memories come flooding back. 
Memories of when I was a child in Paul, holding my neighbor's voice in my bare hands behind his house on Saturday afternoons. I felt a bit guilty handling his meat, I won't lie. But he told me it was okay, that it would make me a man. Afterwards, I would eat it while his entire family watched. You should have seen the look of sheer pleasure on their faces as the juice from that voice squirted right into my mustache. Wow. <laughs> wow, oh. Simon. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> now, um, oh. talking about staying relevant, it's a bit of a shame that, that Div has kind of fallen away a bit. Oh, it's a tragedy. Now, what I've just played for you is a clip from the rugby panel. Now, you do this once, twice a week? Twice a week. Okay, so twice a week. You can hear Simon do this on the show, so it's mornings, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you a soft plug here. Six to nine. Um, I'm in the heart. I'm in the heart of the beast here. Ben. I want to come in and plug my own show. Hey, this is my show. Uh, okay, and, and it's, it's important. Six, six to nine on Hot ninety one nine. It's very important for our listeners to know that there's always great sporting content out there because this is the whole. This is the whole like plan of the bounce show. Mm. It's so that people can laugh and actually do something more of an alternative thing. So yeah, Div's kind of fallen off. I mean, every now and again, Sport twenty four is so desperate they either quote him or Daryl Cullinan. Yeah, I mean, two dreadful sources, but. <laughs> But Ben, I mean, if you've ever spoken to Div, you'll realize that, that, that in, we often interview him on, on balls for, for sports content. We often have a chat to him. And you inter- you'll chat to the guy for 10 minutes and you'll walk away going, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> what was that? Oh, no, he's an absolute gent. But it, like, he just has the funniest sporting mind ever. Like, You think back, how this guy, the team talks he must have given the box. They must, I'll be sure none of the three box have written good enough books. But if they ever did. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I, I think Bucky's words are slotted into fly half sometimes. And John Smith was that, I don't know, fullback. Div doesn't, I've never been able to make sense out of the guy. Now you but also, he's a good person. He's a good person. He is. Yeah, he is a great guy. He's very caring. And we were trying to get him on the show the other day, actually. Um, and I said to him, you know, I really want to get you on Gareth's show. He's like, yeah, oh, I love 5FM. Like, hey, Div, <laughs> we've, we've moved on a bit. Yeah. But he's like, that's the kind of guy he is. Now, you also do the voice of Joel, yeah. which I think might actually be your best work. You think so? Yeah. Again, like, how does someone like Joel feel about... Yeah, Joel, Joel was fine. Because, I mean... The all, person that didn't like it, all, actually All, don't all of your jokes are more colorful than the King's jersey for this season. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, Joel, out of all of them, was probably the coolest. Blades took a little bit of time to get into it but once he accepted it he was actually cool and we've actually done a lot of work together since yeah. Div not so keen but him and I chat now there was a time when he wouldn't talk to me he refused to do interviews with me the worst the person that doesn't really take it all that well um, is is Nas Puerta. and I don't just for the record Nas if you are listening I don't impersonate you I don't do your voice <laughs> now, now, now that's the only voice you don't do on the, on the panel right? yeah so the, the the main characters of the panel are obviously Blades, Joel, Divi, Nas. Then we've got Gerard um, Vivier, Spikerish, yeah. who we channel from heaven. Okay, so he was the old guy in apartheid days. He would he be was, like the Afrikaans Blades. He was the, the Afrikaans. He was the Afrikaans Chick Henderson. Because obviously Blades learned from Chick Henderson. Ah, of course, yes. Now we're going through the, the golden yes. ages here. Yeah, so Gerard Vivier, and then there was Zandberg Janssen as well, who we have on sometimes. Zandberg Janssen was deaf. Um... <laughs> So he can never hear what's going on. And, and then we have little cameo appearances. Sometimes David Campisi will come on. Sometime, or um, sometimes we'll get uh, John Plumtree. Sometimes we'll get John on. So it's, it's a tragedy when these oaks disappear or they die. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, a lot of them have well, left. Bill McLaren's obviously he he died. Bill McLaren died. So that didn't that didn't help a lot. So sometimes we'll channel him from heaven as well. And then, do you ever feel like there's a, there's another voice you need to add to the mix because of relevance for these guys? I mean, anything else you kind of practicing? Oh, I'd love to be able to do Nick Mallet, you know, Nick Mallet or Matthew Pierce, um, because they. They're prominent at the moment. It's just that their voices are quite neutral. I mean, obviously, when a guy's got a funnier voice, that's why it's easier to have an Australian accent than uh, trying to take this out of Dutch people, perhaps. Yeah, you've got to be able to latch on to something. And, like, Matt, you know, speaks very well. Um, and well, he gets enough opportunities. I mean, he does eight different shows on Supersport alone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, guy, the guy's commentating netball right now. As and he went speak, to Bishops. Sure. You pay he, a lot of money. You went to Bishops. Therefore, you know, you're born with the, the golden uh, platter in your mouth. Correct. And... Yeah, you know, so it would be wonderful to be able to do some of those accents, but I I know when I can kind of latch onto something when it's possible, and when I just don't think I'll be able to, and I just I don't think I'll be able to. And uh, do you ever like sort of have you ever prank called people with these these people? I once prank called Leon Schuster as Hugh Bladen. As Hugh Bladen, okay. Um, and he fell for it. <laughs> So I've got one over the king of pranks in South Africa. Now, have you ever thought about doing alternative commentary? It's something that we've been looking into doing. We do cricket commentary here on Cliff Central, mm. and uh, it, it goes easy because cricket's so easy. There's so much gap between play. It's yes. easy as all hell. Rugby, on the other hand, is a lot more instant, a lot more difficult, and you've actually got to do some research. Yeah, we've tried it. The problem, of course, is when you've got people watching the game on TV and you're an internet-based station, so you'll find that the commentary doesn't always match up to the speed of play. Yeah. And so it lags a little bit. So I think it's a fine line because people also want, when they're watching the Springboks play, it's a serious, it's a serious affair. And if you've got, it's fun when someone pulls the piss maybe for five minutes, but when someone's pulling the piss for 80 minutes, and sometimes people want, they'd, they'd like to hear it, but they also want a serious side of it. Yeah, exactly. But just on, on, onto the serious side right now, do you reckon any of our teams in Super Rugby have any chance this year? I don't think so. And on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you about watching it? Two. Yeah, I'm also, I'm, I'm at two, and two's like my top. Yeah. I, I think for me, there's too much rugby. And I say that as a sports fan. There is, yeah. there's a hell of a lot of sport on. And it's hard to sustain an interest. Mm. I mean, the seasons are just so long. I mean, this one ends in 2077. Exactly. Plus, the best players aren't playing because they've been playing since, you know, yeah, everyone's three years the, ago. Look at the Sharks already. Look at the Sharks. Look at the Bulls. Look at the injuries already, and we haven't even started. And you see Pollard might not get paid now because he's got a double injury on an initial uh, one injury package or something. Oh, is that the deal? I think it is. It just sounds so fishy. But now they're not allowed to go to Japan because that's where they get screwed up. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just think it's... It's a lot of rugby, and I think that our franchise, they'd be diluted. We've got five teams. Oh, five teams. We'd probably do three. I mean, the Cheetahs, if they shit us the fan there, they're going to be terrible. And you've got the well, Kings. The moment Lurti Yaka leaves, they're stuffed. And he will leave. And he will leave. Open Mahodja then has to pick it up, and he'll get injured. And he can't play lock. <laughs> He's tried. Have <laughs> tried century. him at lock? So unfortunately, we have run out of time. Thanks so much for coming. No, thank in. you, Ben. And uh, yeah, let people know where they can they can hear you. Well, if you want to listen to, I don't want to compete with your brand, Ben. So if you want to hear the um, rugby panel, I'm the rugby panel. rugby panel is what we should do here because you guys podcast the stuff as well. We do. Exactly. So you can you, you guys can are on the same page as us. Yeah, we also online. So go to xvr.co.za and you can listen to all the rugby panels there. And also, if there's a SoundCloud profile with that, uh, in all the old editions, um, yeah, they're all there archived. You've so actually you got go. such an incredible body of work, Simon. And I'm not just saying that because you've you just stopped the body, Ben. <laughs> Otherwise, on Twitter, where can people find you? You can follow me at uh, Salty Snolly. 
<laughs> spell that for us. Yeah, S-A-L-T-Y, S-N-O-L-L-I-E, not Y. Okay, Simon, so great to have you in here. Thanks for your nice time. Nice to see you, man. Yeah, you too, hey? and you are looking quite good. I was so in the you. gym very hard. Uh-huh. Anyway, more of The Bounce Show next week. You can catch the podcast on The Bounce. Alternatively, go on to The Bounce page on cliffcentral.com. So much content, so much sport ahead. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll catch you back next time. This is cliffcentral.com.